Um, If you would like to grab a Bible, there should be Bibles at the ends of the pews. Um, And we are going to be looking at Acts 1, verses 6 to 8, which can be found on page 1092. So Acts 1, 6 to 8 says, Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to pray and then let's start. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be with me as I speak and with all of us as we listen to you. Soften our hearts to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are we nearly there yet is a question that children often ask when embarking on long journeys. In fact, since I was a child, all the way through my life, whenever I hear that question written down, in my head I go, are we nearly there yet, in that annoying, annoying tone. Now, I'm not often on car journeys at all, let alone with kids, but I know that sense of anticipation of going somewhere exciting. The apostles in our passage for today are asking Jesus, are we nearly there yet? They were anticipating the time when Jesus will restore this earth. They were so ready for God's kingdom to come. But it seemed that they had got their question wrong. Let's look at verse 6. The question that they asked was, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Calvin, who is a 16th century theologian, commented on this verse and said that this question had as many errors in it as there are words. What are the apostles actually asking? They were expecting Jesus to restore Israel back to its people, to take away foreign reign so that they would have a territorial and national kingdom. And they were expecting it to happen immediately. They wanted to be in the kingdom of Israel right there and then. But Jesus explains what's going to happen next. There's no time frame given, but the apostles were told that they will be equipped to live out their father's will. We can see from verse 6 that they hadn't quite got their question right, and so often I certainly don't get it right, and I'm sure we all feel the same at times. We try to do stuff in our own strength. We, we try to do it on our own, and we don't feel empowered by the gospel. I often forget the transformation that Jesus has made in my life. So what does Jesus answer the apostles? What is coming next? Let's look at verse 7. It says, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. We aren't going to know when Jesus will come again. 
He's very clear on that. One way to explain it is to say that the apostles at that time were in the now, and they were expecting Jesus to say, you will be at home with me, with Christ, for eternity in the now. But what Jesus actually says is that a time in the future, then, that's when you will be at home with me in eternity. But now, I will be at home with you through the Spirit. And that's the same for us now. We, we are in that middle section. We're not when the apostles were, but we're also not there yet. We're in that middle section. So we know that we have the hope of Christ to be with Christ for eternity, but right now Christ lives with us by his spirit. The apostles really wanted the kingdom to come and they were expecting it to be there and then in that moment. But Jesus was clear that we don't have a timetable, only the Father knows. And so we wait with expectation. We are waiting for Jesus to come again. We don't know the time or the place but we do know that Jesus will come again. And that's the hope that we can look forward to. That is what we're expectantly waiting for. We are waiting for Jesus. That is our future hope. It doesn't matter whether we know when Jesus will come, as long as we believe that he will. And that's how we are empowered by the gospel by believing in Jesus' promises and holding our faith in him. And that comes through the Holy Spirit as we read in the first half of verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We can't do this alone. That's why we are given the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to have faith and to live our lives as witnesses to Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, we can live a gospel-centered life. But it is only through the Holy Spirit that we are able to rely fully on God. Without the Holy Spirit, we are simply trying to live our lives on our own. The Father sends the Son, and together they send the Spirit and the Spirit sends the church. The Spirit is the great missioner, the one who enables the church to spread the gospel. Simon Ponsonby, who is a theologian, says that the Holy Spirit is God inside out. And that's the title of one of his books. God is living inside of us by his Spirit. And then we are sent out through that Spirit to be witnesses. And yes, the Holy Spirit is our comforter, and sometimes we may feel a fuzzy feeling when we think about the Holy Spirit. But first and foremost, he is our great mission empowerer. Gordon Fee, who is another theologian, says that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. And that is exactly who the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit enables us to witness. Only with God's empowering presence, his evangelizing spirit, can we present God's loving message. 
So how are we empowered by the Spirit, by, by the gospel, in the power of the Spirit? Verse 8 continues, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Now this passage happens just before Pentecost, which is in Acts 2. And so at this point for the apostles, they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. But they knew that when they did receive the Holy Spirit, that they would be witnesses to Jesus. But for us, when we are followers of Christ, we have received the Holy Spirit And we are his witnesses to the rest of the world. The apostles were called to Jerusalem and then to Judea and Samaria as the church grew. And then as Christians spread the gospel throughout history, the gospel is spread across the world. And now we are in a time where we are called to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. We are witnesses to Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and his coming again. Being a witness is different for each of us in our circumstances. But to be a witness is to simply relay what Jesus has done for us in our lives. If you think about a courtroom In a courtroom, both sides of a trial will bring up witnesses to the person that is on trial. And even though those witnesses are on opposing sides, they believe that what they're saying is true. For us, we are bringing witness to Jesus, to the wonderful things that he has done for us. But there are people who try to fight against it, who try to take the other side, But we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, which gives us the power to speak the gospel. And through that power, we can speak to our families, to our friends, to our communities, and to our workplaces. So what does it look like to be a witness? I heard a story about a man who worked in a factory and in that factory were lots of different people who spoke many different languages and his job was to speak all those languages and communicate between the different people. He wasn't a Christian whilst he was working um, and he went through a bit of a lonely patch and he turned to drugs and alcohol And one night, he got really drunk, he woke up in a ditch, and he couldn't get himself home. And a man came along, picked him up out of the ditch, took him home, asked him, let him sleep in his bed, and bathed him the next morning. And this guy said, why are you helping me? What what have I done? And the man replied, I'm a Christian, and I want to share the love of Jesus with you. There and then, on the spot, this guy became a Christian. He gave his life to Jesus because he had experienced the love of Jesus. He turned his life around, he stopped drinking, he stopped taking drugs, and that joy that he had received through the power of the Holy Spirit, he didn't want to keep to himself. 
So he went away and learned the Alpha course in all the different languages that he could speak, um, in like six or seven different languages. And every day at work, in the big lunch hall, he'd say, I'm going to do Alpha, who wants to join me? And he would share the love of Jesus with those people through Alpha in a language that they would understand. And out of that came two churches of around 400 people each. Not only did this guy receive the power from the Holy Spirit, he went in that power to witness the gospel to those around him. And he did it in a way that played on his gifts. Do we live like that guy, empowered by the gospel, to go in the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness to Jesus? I think the answer is probably too often no. Certainly for me, no, I don't, I don't live like him. So how often are we actually being a witness to Jesus? I think so often we are ready to wait for Jesus to come again because the church has been waiting for 2,000 years. And I think we're also so often ready to receive power from the Holy Spirit because we receive the Holy Spirit when we become a Christian and that's kind of just how it goes. But how often do we actually go in that power to be missional, to be a witness to Jesus? Whether we're intentionally being a witness or not, if somebody knows that we're a Christian, then we are witnessing. Think of it like a signpost. Our faith is the foundation, it's the bedrock, it's the thing that keeps us grounded. And if we don't have a faith, then everything will fall apart. And our life is the pole, and we need a life that comes out of our faith in Jesus that's loving and kind. But without that arrow pointing people to Jesus through our words, then we are just a pole floating in the wind. We need to have faith and we need to live a life of love, but we also need to speak of Jesus in order to point people to him. I think it's quite easy for me and other people who stand up here to say, yes, and now we will go in that power. Amen, the end. And then often, when I hear a message like this anyway, I will go home, forget about it, and go back to knowing Jesus is going to come again and knowing I have the Holy Spirit, but not actually using that power that we've received. The Holy Spirit is the missional spirit. God sent the Spirit to his church to enable us in mission. We aren't in this alone. So what are some of the ways that get in the way of us being a witness? Perhaps it's our lack of qualifications. But to be a witness doesn't mean that we need to be theologically qualified or knowledgeable in some way. Or perhaps it's that we don't feel holy enough. But all we need to be a witness is to have experienced the love of Jesus Christ. That's all we need in order to witness to other people. 
Or perhaps it's our personality type that stops us. When I was at university, these words came out of my mouth. Oh, I'm an introvert, so I definitely can't tell people about Jesus. God chose you. It doesn't matter what your personality type is. If you know the love of Jesus, then you are a witness. Or perhaps we think that nobody we know would actually care. But the love of Jesus is much more important than whether they care or not, or whether we feel embarrassed or not. If we witness to them, God is doing that work in them, and they will catch our infectious witness. Whatever it is that stops us, whether it's something inwardly or something outwardly, we are each witnesses to Jesus Christ. And how we witness will be unique to each of us. Like that guy from the story who used his talent of knowing languages to be able to speak the gospel. Or perhaps like the man who helped him, we live a life that is kind and loving so that those opportunities to speak about Jesus come about. I speak of this as somebody who doesn't get it right. I don't do this all the time. But as a congregation, it would be great if we could commit to two things. The first is to pray for each other. And the second is to pray for opportunities to witness. I'd love it, I know you all have your phones, to pull out your phones. And on your phone, I'd love you to set a reminder or an alarm or something, a note maybe on your phone that will remind you to do this. But set a reminder to pray for each other. Choose one or two people from the congregation and pray for them. Set a reminder twice a week to pray for that person. And then set another reminder to pray for opportunities to witness, perhaps three times a week. And choose one or two people that you know who don't yet know Jesus. And three times a week, pray for those opportunities to witness to those people. When we pray, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our situations, God will move. Let's be expectant of what God might do, of what God will do. So we wait expectantly for Christ to come again. And as we wait, we receive power from the Holy Spirit. And we go in that power to be witnesses to Jesus Christ. So let us commit to being witnesses, to sharing the love of Jesus to those around us, because we are empowered by the gospel. I'd love to invite the band up now, um, and there are a few areas that I'd love for us all to pray for, so I'd love if everyone would stand. We're going to pray slightly differently today. Um, so first of all, we're going to pray. I've been talking a lot about being a witness to Jesus, and I'm sure there are people in this room who don't know who Jesus is, and I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd love, if that's you, 
for you to echo this prayer in your heart. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. But if you do pray this prayer, please do come find myself or Jamie or Michael or Jago at the end of the service. And we would love to pray with you and chat more. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry that I have lived my life turned away from you. Thank you for sending Jesus to be our saviour. I turn to you today believing that you are my Lord and saviour. I receive your spirit to live in me and transform me from inside out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you did pray that prayer, please do come find myself or Jamie at the end, and we'd love to chat and pray with you. And there's one other area, and it's a big area, and I think it probably affects all of us, it certainly affects me, that I'd love to pray for. And that is for those of us who find being a witness difficult. Whether it's one of the barriers that I've spoken about, that you don't think people care, that you don't feel qualified, or that you don't feel like your personality is the right type, or perhaps it's something else. Or maybe you've just lost that joy of knowing Jesus. If that's you, I'd love for you to pop your hand up in the air, and I'm going to ask for those of you around who are around you to pray with you. So if you, if you find being a witness difficult, if you would love to receive that joy once more of who Jesus is, then please do pop your hand up. The band are going to lead us in some more sung worship now, um, so don't feel embarrassed. And if you would love prayer, please do pop your hand up. I'm going to pray, and then we will sing to the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, renew in us a passion for your name. Heavenly Father, remind us and nudge us by your missional spirit who lives inside of us. Rekindle the flame of your love within us so that we can know that we are loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.